Welcome to this episode of Doxology Matters, where we help Christians think deeply about God's Word as we praise Him. We're so glad that you have joined us for another episode. We hope that you are listening uh, faithfully to our podcast episodes, and maybe this is your first one, and we thank you so much for listening. Today's topic is uh, Worship Arts Ministry Vision and Plan. How do you put together a ministry vision and plan? And I have my very good, dear friend, brother in Christ, Phil Tawney with me today. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to turn the mic over to him, and he is going to host, and I am going to be the guest. So it's good to have you. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Have you ever been on a podcast? Well, no, I haven't. I'd always, uh, you know, I enjoy uh, listening to different podcasts, but uh, no, first one. Well, uh, first easy question out of the gate, just to warm it up. How long have you been a Braves fan? Well, let's see. Uh, they're they're down on my list, like maybe number four or five. Of course, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal uh, fan. Fan doesn't quite do it. I was born and raised a Cardinal, so that's just who I am. Got a little bird. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I do. Wow. Uh, one of the things about Phil, if you're listening, uh, Phil has been with me since I first came to Bethel, pretty much right after I came to Bethel. You right? When did you start singing in the choir? Right. Probably first EP that I was here. That's maybe? right. That's yeah. right. That's when I first kind of joined the choir. Right. And so uh, Phil introduced me to uh, strategic planning and how to carry out an intentional ministry based on. Um, what would you say, based on um, certain drivers, or how would you define strategic planning? Strategic planning uh, sounds like a it's like a million dollar um, process, but it really is a model. It's a process model. Uh, if you Googled it today, you would get a hundred different results. There's that many different process models. But it really is just a process of thinking about where uh, you could be a, a large company, a small company, uh, in this case, an element of a larger organization, and how you fit. Uh, how, do, how do you support that mission? And, um, and sometimes um, it can be to enhance. Sometimes it's just to see where you are. Um, but in your case, it was um, how can you take your passion and vision that God laid on your heart and support the ch- the overall mission of this church? Right. Um, how many people do you think in the even in the corporate world do strategic planning? Do, is that a pretty common thing? It um, for Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies, it's just a it, it's a standard process model. Oh. Um, I first learned it when I served in the uh, United States Air Force. As you can imagine, uh, the military, the organizational structure, uh, every organization, every division, every element has a very specific purpose to support the overarching mission of. Um, and it, it could be an operation, it could be a humanitarian effort, could be con- contingency, wartime, that kind of thing. So that's where I was first introduced to it. Uh, but um, companies of all sizes should use a strategic model mm. just to make sure that their, their organization supports their overall mission. Every organization has a mission or a purpose or a function you know it could be it could be manufacturing it could be a service uh, organization maybe it's like waste management military but every organization should should be singularly focused on supporting that mission or that function over of an organization well i really like that especially in a christian worldview uh, to do something for the kingdom, we want to be as best of stewards as we can, and especially in the church, carrying out a ministry, we want to be as strategic as we can. I think it honors God to be careful, to count the costs, to um, look and see what His Word says, and then seek to have a 
intentional plan with goals to accomplish it. So I'm just going to turn it over to you, and uh, you can ask me anything you want within reason. <laughs> right. Well, this is uh, this is kind of exciting where where I get to ask some questions, but I think. Uh, we started together. Was it eight years ago or seven years ago? Uh, yeah. About, and I think I think it was just shortly thereafter where we really got to know each other well. And and I heard your your passion um, about expanding the scope of worship arts ministry, um, and you had a lot of ideas. You remember some of those? I do. Yeah. You know, we were working on the choir and orchestra, and uh, we were thinking about doing the Worship Arts Academy and camp, and we had an Easter praise um, ministry here. And, uh, yeah, there are a lot of things that were kind of in my sights and scope. God's made me to be a visionary person. That's just who I am. I don't have to try and muster it up. It just happens. I just, as I'm praying and reading the Word, it just, it just gives me vision. And... Right. So, so you know, you've probably been in organizations, I certainly have, where you have new leaders come in, and they, they are, they're full of passion and ideas. And I saw that in you. And I shared the idea of strategic planning. Do you remember your first reaction to that? Well, I remember when you shared it with me, I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and it kind of blew my mind. Um, I like structure and I like order. And, uh, of course, vision, and it challenged me to think um, clearly and specifically and to take input from others, and sometimes that can be scary. I remember feeling a little bit nervous about that when you put a concept in front of me of, like, put all your vision out before people and let them evaluate and talk about it. I was like, ooh, that's a little bit vulnerable. But now, like, that's the norm for me. I do that for every single thing. Like everything that I do is in community and I'm getting feedback on everything. And like you start doing it, you see the great payoff it is, uh, not only for you personally, but for the ministry, for other people involved. It's just a win-win scenario. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the strategic planning model. Your organization, and again, whether you're a large company, small company, um, whether you are a supporting element, it could be a division, there needs to be an overarching mission or goal. So if you can briefly define the overall mission, goal of this church. Well, I mean, the overall mission of Bethel fits within uh, the four four or five E's. Uh, I'd say as a Christian, our... um, our goal is to, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's to, it's to follow the Lord and keep his commandments. Ultimately, I would argue for uh, one of the early opening statements in the, I believe, Westminster Confession of Faith was the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So as a worship pastor, <clears throat> I specifically think about, which for me, I fall under the uh, encounter the glory of God, E, that's the one of the vision statements for the church, is my heart and vision is whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Psalm 45, 1 has been our overarching scripture. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. That over everything is the banner of the glory of Jesus Christ. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be all the glory. So I'm thinking in a broad sense, about magnifying the worth of Jesus Christ in everything we do under the worship arts umbrella. And then there are certain tenets or scriptural drivers and distinctives that fall under that banner. Right, right. So worship arts ministry is just one of the supporting elements, one of the organizational um, divisions of Bethel Baptist Church. It's just one. What are some of the others? We have a wonderful women's ministry here. We have student ministry, children's ministry. We have a fantastic military ministry. Um, we've got uh, senior adults. They have a really growing ministry. Um, 
Of course, our the preaching ministry of the church with Pastor Doug preaching, education ministry with our Bible fellowship groups. That's the teaching arm of the church. So there are many, <clears throat> excuse me, many wonderful ministries that make up the uh, kind of the global sense of Bethel Baptist Church, and the worship arts ministry fits under that. You know, you probably will get to this, but there's only a certain amount of limited resources, both financial, people, and assets and building rooms and space and calendaring. And so we fit into that. And uh, that's something that I've had to really learn as well. Like, you know, there's there's all these other ministries, so I need to be mindful and sensitive to the resources that we have globally and not hog them or not take up bandwidth that another person needs to run on that bandwidth kind of thing. Right. We're going to dive into that a little bit deeper in just a minute. So you mentioned some of these collateral uh, uh, horizontal agencies, uh, groups, programs under Bethel Baptist, uh, equally as important to worship arts ministry. And you can see how some of them um, are interested parties to what you're doing in worship arts, and some of them are affected parties. And you can see how, uh, when I say affected parties, uh, corporate America would call them stakeholders, but affected parties are those that uh, would receive a positive or negative impact uh, on their uh, function based upon what you're doing. And um, some of those, for example, could be what? Um, a positive impact? Or a negative impact, depending uh, on how well you're doing to support the overall mission. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, 30, Psalm 33, 4, play skillfully unto the Lord. And so that scriptural driver for me is the basis why we do the Worship Arts Academy, is uh, training artists for the glory of God, that we're helping those that God has given a gift a skill to, a talent to play or sing in the service of Christian worship here at Bethel. So if they play the trumpet or if they play the drums or piano or they they sing, we want to come alongside them and encourage them and build that up. And so that's really a positive. Um, I, I can't think of a negative only in the fact that if we were not carrying out that scripture, then the church would miss that opportunity to minister to the people that come through the doors. Right. I see I see maybe impact on the um, the mission outreach, maybe your youth's your youth ministry, maybe some of your adult ministry. Um, but as you started, so here's where I want to get into the strategic planning. So as you sat down and and really laid out your vision for the worship arts ministry. Um, you 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 had this vision and these considerations. The vision was how do I how do I make these things excellent? How can I grow these and expand these? And so you started a writing campaign. This this initial period was probably a couple of months. I think, if if I remember. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I wrote down um, why I do all the things I do after we met. It just really challenged me, and I sat down and wrote, well, we sing, we desire to sing Christ-centered songs that are full of God's Word because Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, encouraging one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And that, that driver fostered... Um, us to really be scripturally sound and Christ-centered in everything we do singing. And I didn't know at the time that was initial part of the strategic planning, but it has grown into the fact of what we're doing right now today, Doxology Matters, flows from that scripture that though when we started this eight years ago, I would have not had seen us being right here, but all those strategic steps along the way not only have we recorded five albums here at Bethel, and we have a recording studio. Now we're recording podcasts 
that the word would dwell much richly and that we would praise God with. So yeah, initially I wrote down all the, the truths and looked at all the current ministry that was happening in the worship arts. And that was kind of like step one for me. Right. Talk about the importance of each one of those elements of the worship arts ministry, how you you needed and you did document how each one of those supported the overarching mission of of the church. So how did you document that? How did you go about writing those things down? Well, at that time, um, I used Excel. And so the, and I did it in like a, uh, the, I believe it's a notebook called where like the first tab down at the bottom, I called scriptural drivers. I had 13 drivers that, um, that we went through, let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, Psalm 150. That's if anybody has an instrument or voice to sing, let him play and sing to the glory of God. That the church worship ministry would be multi generational. Um, let one generation commend your works to another. And so I, I put all these scriptural drivers here. And then the next tab over, I started putting like the ministry of Easter praise. And Easter praise to me flows out of the driver of go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that is our local ministry. So through the arts, we are being great commissioners. We're carrying out the great commission through the arts, through the ministry of Easter praise. And so on that page for Easter praise, I had the, the scriptural driver. I had the team leadership that was there. I had the money budgeted for that area and it had specific goals that we wanted to accomplish that year for Easter praise. And then I had a category to not only the next year EP, but the one after that. So I was looking ahead of what resources do we need in the future to more faithfully execute it, to build up the structure and to take it in a richer way. So I did that for Easter praise, um, choir, orchestra, the ensembles, the kids' praise with the children, the AV team, everything that was current back in eight years ago, I just I totally turned over every stone and looked at if it should be there, if we should do it, what it should look like based on the Scripture, who's currently serving in it, what resources does it need, and where do we want to go? And just writing it down for me was huge. Writing it down is so important because you had um, affected parties. Affected parties, again, could be your pastoral team. It could be facility management because you were asking for access and use of more resources. And then some of these programs had initial costs or long-term costs. And so um, you had to sell this also through the uh, financial committee. Right. So, so writing these things down and, uh, and linking them, so you link them to the overall mission of the church, and then you supported them with Scripture. Right. How, did that, how did that initial cascade, that initial communication of, of the affected parties. I won't use the term stakeholders again, but affected parties. How did that first, after you finished laying these out, how did that work for you? Uh, well, specifically, you know, I, I talked with you, and then, like, for instance, taking one aspect of it, the academy, I brought that before Pastor Doug and the other pastors and shared that vision and got input. Um, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, the scripture says. And so I started getting input from other people. You encouraged me to do that early on. And uh, I was a little scared about it at first. So it's probably just immaturity, and maybe not immaturity, but maybe just a little indirect pride that I was a little nervous about that. But now it's like part of me. So I got that, that feedback and then presented a proposal. They weighed in, made the document stronger, and then I brought it before the church to begin a worship arts academy. And I really think that that, the academy and the camp, what we did was really like a 
an open door to the worship arts ministry actually happening at Bethel because that was like the training, equipping aspect of the ministry. So I presented the idea of having an academy, a training mechanism of the worship arts ministry with a worship arts camp for kids uh, ages kindergarten through fifth grade completed that we would be centered around a certain biblical theme and teaching on biblical worship that would then feed into the academy as like feeders. So if you enjoyed and benefited, your child did at the camp in August, then you would come to the academy. So I presented all that to the church. Um, Pastor Doug was was kind enough to uh, support it, and he asked initially for uh, the church to support it financially with an initial investment I forget that that total dollar amount, but they the church approved it. Went before a finance team as well, and they asked questions, and I answered questions, and we came to a, um, the understanding there as we did a charter of it, and then we started moving in that direction. And now, through the help of uh, like our great brother Jim McGrath and personnel team and the pastors, we have a robust a 14-page document handbook for the Worship Arts Academy that that happened in like the last year or so, but it was all those strategic steps along the way that took me to like right, you know, right where we currently are today. Without that, there's no way I'd be, I, I would not be leading in that that level, if you will, air quotes, without those steps along the way. So that's kind of the progression. Right. Right. So I, I would guess, I know a little bit, but I would guess that not everyone uh, shared your vision. Um, in, in strategic planning, um, many models use the SWOT analysis, uh, S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And um, threats can be categorized as risks or roadblocks. Um, but when you're linking your mission and your visions to the overall church mission and you're supporting them with Scripture, did you find that that helped when you ran into maybe some resistance? Um, oh, absolutely. Um, it helped me. Uh, one way it helped me is that my confidence rests in the uh, revealed Word of Christ in the in the Scriptures. And so... When I'm tempted to have fear of man, I just trust what God said in His Word, and that's what I follow. I don't have to worry about following trends. I just follow God's Word, and that's that's the right thing to do. Um, it. Uh, so you, your question again was how how you were able to maybe overcome oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by linking by linking and, and um, to the overall mission and supporting with Scripture. One of the things that I did when I started here, and there was a little bit of a, a, a speed bump, is that um, I, I changed uh, the praise team singers. It's just very open with you. There was a group that used to sing, you know, every week, and uh, I determined that in, in an effort. This is before we even met. In an effort to have a an opportunity for everybody to use their gift vocally that I wanted to open that door up and not do a, just a certain group, like say like a certain five singers or certain nine singers. I wanted to set up rotations to where not only would it give people rest, not to have burnout to do it every week, but provide opportunities for new people to come in. Well, that that's, you know, that was a change. And, you know, uh, I could probably handle it better now as I'm longer in ministry, you know, know how to better articulate that and help people walk through it. But we walked through that, and there's a little bit of resistance to that, you know, because it was changed. But I knew right out of the gate that we needed to do that because that was a, a value that I had. If God gives a, God has given gifts to the church for the edification of the saints, and I wanted to see people that had a musical gift have opportunity to use it. So sometimes when you do that, it's hard for people that, you know, change is a hard thing, you know. Um, and that's something now we started with the praise team. And what's neat is 
all those singers, they're such a sweet spirit on the on the team. There's like we have five different teams that rotate now and we rotate the drummers, we rotate the bass players, acoustic, the synth players, and for the student ministry now we rotate we have four rotations of vocalists for the singers down there. Um, so yeah. Right. You're talking a bit like you're developing core competencies. So core competencies for an organization is you may have an organization that has a uh, very specific purpose, very specific goal, uh, and is organized to do certain things. But one of the important pre-planning elements or continuously uh, planning elements is identifying core competencies. So that's kind of what you're talking about. Your worship arts camp, how that is a, uh, you described it early on as um, an attention step, um, identifying step into the academy. How, how do you think that that has expanded over the last several years to develop core competencies to support the overall worship arts ministry? I would say now there is a culture of learning and growing and using your gifts. That doing the camp, the training mechanism for kids and the academy and what we do in rehearsals there is a appetite, and part of the DNA is to hone the craft that is the arts. Uh, so it's been a cultural change, um, and I've grown right along with it. Right. But now there is a certain competency level that the singers and players are playing at and desire to play too. Like for Easter Praise, we have like Catherine does vocal coaching for the soloist. So that that was pretty global uh, in that change, and that it, it's part of like the DNA of the worship arts ministry now. Um, and you're not talking about just one segment of your ministry; you're talking the whole thing, multi generational. Yep, absolutely. Even right. when we audition the kids for worship arts camp for solos or for our Chris, kids' Christmas presentations, we have solo audition and coaches for them and uh, we are currently looking at for the student ministry team uh, coaches for uh, different players and then we're going to do workshops with I'm going to do the singers and Corey's going to work on with instrumentalists individually so it's it's all the way throughout the whole ministry right? Um, which is awesome to see any given Sunday you could see how many generations of of um, our our ministry serving? Three at least on any given Sunday, would oh, you say? Yeah, I'd say probably more than that. Um, and that's been intentional for me. Um, I think the, the church is multi generational. It's from kids all the way up to a person, you know, nineties. Yeah, you know, maybe a hundred. And for me, my heart was for the worship ministry on Sundays that when the gathered church is sitting in the pews and they look at the platform of those that are leading them, for it not to be a certain small window of people only between the ages of 20 and 25 and like four people, but to be representation, like a microcosm of the church to where you see a student playing guitar you see a 20- or 30-year-old singing in the choir, a 20-, 30-year-old playing in the orchestra. You see somebody that's walked with the Lord for 60 or 70 years singing in the choir or playing in the orchestra or running sound in the back. On a given Sunday, you might see a student running audio, um, somebody in their 70s running the camera, somebody in their 40s running pro presenter, and then a college student running lights. Um, but that... That really came with God's empowering always is by His grace. But that in, that was able to be accomplished because of that driver that I just beat all the time. We want to be a multi-generational worship ministry in church because that's what we are. 
And the leaders caught that. The worship arts leadership team caught that vision. And so our AV team, John Gathers, who's awesome, he has a heart now to see other generations serve. Right. So what you were doing, and and scripturally uh, having a multi-generational worship arts ministry, is you were developing your core competencies. Even though it's a, it's more of a corporate idea, your strategic plan, supported by Scripture, uh, is enabling you to to meet those church goals, yeah. the mission of the church, the worship arts ministry. And then you talked about where I want to go next is is after you had taken your plan, your vision. And you you rolled that up through, you cascaded that through your your fellow pastors, maybe other uh, ministry leaders, uh, certainly the the finance committee. Uh, it was the then time to figure out how to do these things. Now we've talked about some of those things: right. worship arts camp, worship, worship arts academy, um, expanding uh, some different things. That was not done in a vacuum. You took that. Uh, so so how did you, so in strategic planning, you generally, uh, though folks want to get into the how right off the bat, the how, you know, to implement a strategic plan comes about step three. So how did you then organize to start working out those details on how am I going to implement this plan, this vision? So kind of like step three and beyond or? Right. Um, well, I'd say the, a little bit was the preface of that, of getting counsel and not buy-in for the sake of, hey, I want somebody to buy-in so I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. Not that. Like, I, I want to get people's feedback, and when they contribute to it, we're moving together as a team that people are feeling deeply in their souls based on the scriptural root, and we all want to move forward together. To me, that's I'm not a big fan of the word buy-in. I know how people use it, but I like to, to move as a team. So throughout that, after I got my initial document, sharing it with people, people started to resonate with it, and we started to move together, and then it became clear to me, well, we need team leads in these different areas. Uh, we need, like, we have a person that leads our Sounds of Grace uh, group or mixed ensembles group. I have a ministry assistant for the Worship Arts Academy, LaDonna, that's wonderful. We have a kids' praise uh, team lead, orchestra team lead. Uh, Jenny helps me with choir and uh, Wednesday night uh, organization. Um, we have an Easter praise all the team leaders for Easter praise, about 24 of them that help us with our big Easter presentation. So I just started to divvy out all these positions. And I, I choose not to use the word delegate because there again, it's like, I'm going to, I'm up here on a pedestal and I'm going to give this to you. It's more like giving away ministry that we all serve together. I, my calling as a shepherd is to equip the saints of the work of the ministry. And so I just started to empower, give position to these people that I felt like had good godly character, that loved God's Word, that had gifting that they could carry out that area. And I just I set them up for success, I, I believe, and tried to support them. And they knew what the area they were doing and why we were doing it. I know even Catherine and I wrote uh, vision descriptions for the areas, um, I'd say in community. Right, right. So how many planning teams do you think you have now? Oh, man. Well, we just created a new one about uh, last fall. And that, <laughs> that came because we had an Easter Praise leadership team, a Worship Arts Camp leadership team well we had the total team volunteers was 80 people to carry off that camp of i think it's well over 200 people now that attend that camp and that's even multi-generational a christmas team academy team uh an av ministry team now we have a, a doxology team that does our albums 
podcasting, you know, for our studio. And so with all these different projects that we were doing, I started praying about, it'd be great to have a core group of people that could be a, a central creative brain trust, if you will, in community that could help. Once I have the theme for the year, like last year we did um, Hope, Living Hope, that we could look at all these things coming for the year and creatively think um, how that would happen. So uh, we formed what was called the Doxology Collective. It's different people with different skill sets, different, uh, you know, different faculties that they bring to the mix, different artistic inclinations. Um, we come together. We meet every Thursday and uh, we talk about, you know, that they're even with me planning services now. And that's just my heart to to bring the, the people of God to do the ministry of God and to teach them as we're putting together services, as we're putting together presentations. Even in that, the DNA is is shepherding them. And so I feel like if I, you know, if I drop dead today, God took me home, that the ministry would still flourish when I'm away because God's people are, are doing the ministry. I'm just there as the shepherd. You know, I'm the visionary right, shepherd. Right. But the team is doing its thing and it's awesome. Right. Right. The ministry to me, the ministry is much richer when everybody contributes. Yeah. Lone Ranger leadership is the worst. I don't want anything a part of that. It's you serve together as a team and you're better off for it. The team's better off for it and the church is is blessed by it, and the the program is much better. The final product is much better. Right. Maybe a long answer to a short question. Well, I think. Um, but there it is. I think that is a byproduct uh, of strategic planning. Is is preparing um, others to lead and giving them opportunity, especially when you can link what they're doing to your mission. Right to your purpose. When I say your, I say the worship arts ministry. Um, I'm going to get into one one more small detail, and then we'll, we'll finish up with some of the questions that I have. Um, and and that is, that's a term of, uh, of a metrics. Um, I've been in organizations before where we measured everything, and, it, and, and we just got to the point where we were measuring just a measure, and, and the, the outputs were of no value. And uh, at the very beginning of, uh, of strategic planning, you had some specific goals yeah. on some things. Um, can you talk a little bit about what some of those specific goals were uh, as you got into, um, you know, doing the tactical level of uh, of implementing these plans. Yeah, absolutely. And I do every single year. I have uh, manageable goals, what I call manageable goals, not like, hey, we want to see 150 new choir members. That's unrealistic. But it's to see, like, for maybe for the ensemble area, meaning any vocal ensemble, to see... Uh, seven new singers to the choir that are in three different generations. Um, for the AV team, one year it was increased the positions on the team from two people to four people, audio, video for sermon capturing, uh, pro presenter for lyrics and videos, and then uh, lighting. Uh, by this set of gear for the AV team. Very specific. We need these six microphones for the ensemble to sing. Boom. I wrote it down in my grid. And what I did was I wrote all that down. And I zero budget every year. I don't do a budget to where it's just, oh, this is what we did last year. I look at the word, vision, resources, execution. In kind of that order. And uh, so I, I was very specific. And I would cross them off with, uh, I think it's like strike through in Word. I would cross it off when I completed it. And I would add to it as the year went on. If I accomplished all those goals, I would add to them. So metrics uh, certainly can get out of hand. But I think when you establish a a metric or um, 
uh, it's probably better to call it a quality standard or a standard. When, when you establish those and you also link the standard back to the ministry and the purpose or scripture, you find it easier to, um, to evaluate, uh, easier to measure, uh, easier to support, likely. Yeah, I remember early on, was it the first year you had a specific goal for your worship arts camp attendees? Do you remember about what that was? I do. Uh, we, we were hoping for 40 kids the first year, and uh, we had 102. And we were just blown away by that. And the amount of leaders I think we had... I don't know, 40, 45 leaders to help with that. And uh, now it's just it's grown even more. I mean, that was just kindergarten through fifth grade, and now we have preschool through um, sixth grade completed. And then last year we added a student initiative, which is the middle and high school, and we had an AV team track. Uh, we've done a special needs track as well. And this year, I'm hoping to, Lord willing, if if the leadership of the senior adult ministry are willing, I'd like to do a senior adult track. So when the camp gets bigger itself, then you need the leadership structure ministry team to get bigger too, which 80, 80 people is, a, is robust. Um, and for that, each team, I give out folders of, this is what this camp is about, or this Easter praise is about, who's serving in what capacity, what are some of our specific goals overarching this year, what's our promo strategy. And my thing is for a team, if you're on a team that I lead, my hope is that you have all the details of every area, meaning that if you're working in promo, you're clued into the fact that here's our schedule for the event, Here's the songs that we're doing. I want people to be as informed as possible. Um, right. So on some of your metrics, you just blew through some of them. Your your success was has been overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, by God's grace, that it would happen so fast that I would have to get more metrics to meet because he just was blessing. Uh, just like the favor of God has just been, he's just been good to us. Were there some areas that maybe you didn't hit a goal or you didn't hit um, where you wanted to be? Yeah, th- there's some areas that I, you know, wish that a couple, you know, I wish it could have been faster. There's and some areas like the academy that I want to give even more vision and strength to. And just over lunch, we were talking about a meeting to uh, dream about what the next, you know, three to five years is going to look like for the academy. Um, that I started now. You may be getting to this. So I'll stop if you are. But I started using a software now called Mind Mapping, and so. I'm planning out like five years in advance of where we're at and what it's going to take to get there. And that's so uh, invigorating. Right, right. That's a really unique tool, and there's a lot of really unique tools that can help, you know, the, the, the tactical level. Again, as long as you're supporting your, your mission and the overall purpose, those types of tools are really, really unique to kind of link and... Um, Uh, link ideas and brainstorm. It's really a lot of fun to use. So I would say that um, the initial strategic planning, if you were to think about it again, uh, how important would you say it has been to your, your ministry from the time you started to where you are now? Oh, it's absolutely essential. Absolutely essential to move in a way that um, has a big vision of who God is and what He has for His church, to take a group of people that is, you know, uh, in the hundreds and care for them. You know, I think it honors the Lord to count the cost and be mindful of of all those things. Um, I don't think the ministry could have flourished without it. 
I mean, of course, it's God's empowering grace that does it, but I think he uses shepherds and people to uh, care for the flock. And so I think without all that, like we put Planning Center Online in place for the worship ministry across the board. Everybody has a profile. Uh, We send out requests, and that is our... um, our, uh, planning, uh, people communication, everything is there for all of our charts, uh, emails, everything is in that huge communication communication piece. And we do pay a subscription for that every month, but it is such a core thing of uh, infrastructure of the worship arts ministry that it, without that, it'd be like... <laughs> It wouldn't be as organized, and it could be a, make people anxious. For the academy, we use a, a program that comes out of Canada called My Music Staff that tracks all of our billing, all of our lesson notes for students, uh, teacher profile, student profile, what pieces they're doing for the recital. It tracks everything for us. So putting certain things like that into place is, uh, you really can't put a price on that. Right. So are you done with strategic planning? No, never. Never. I, uh, I start over every year. About probably October, September, I start thinking about the next year. And now I'm moving more into the uh, long-range planning to where I already have some of this out. But I'm always thinking way ahead. Right. So strategic planning, I think I'll do that till the day I die. Right. It's so important to do, and it's so important to establish an annual planning period, um, not just to plan for the next three to five years, um, to to look back and see where you, you had great success yeah. and document that. Why did you have great success? And then maybe some areas that you need to work on. So yeah. like you mentioned, it is an annual once you get started, it is just an annual process to reevaluate and then to plan going forward. So that's that's kind of all the questions that I had for you on this. Um, I think the evaluation piece you just mentioned, like we did uh, an event last year, a new event. We did a Christmas party. It was a, it was a great success. Thank, praise God for that. It was something new we hadn't done before, and it was to you know be a way to thank the people for the ministry and celebrate what God has done, review what God has done. Uh, but there are certain new things. The cost, you know, it cost a little bit more than what I anticipated, and so my wonderful assistant, one of my assistants, helps me track all that in Excel. So any any presentation, any concert, any event, we track all the expenses and uh, all the things that we observe. So we go back and review. So just this past week, uh, Jennifer and I were talking about, um, well, here's everything. Here's all the data points from last year's party. Next year, if we do that, we we probably will, we're going to do this slightly different and put this budget cap on this area, that kind of thing. So constantly like reviewing Evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. Right. Not in a way that's like, oh, we're going to evaluate again, but a way to evaluate, oh, that was great. Let's let's see if we can make it better and uh, have a culture of grace of people involved. Sometimes you think of evaluation, you think of, you know, big brother looking over your shoulder. Or a grade or something like that. Yeah, pointing out your weaknesses. It's not that. It's the backdrop, backbone of it is love uh, for the people. I sent an email to our academy faculty this morning and said, I've been wanting to do this for a while, but uh, I'm going to start coming in and listening to your lessons, sitting in and evaluating how things are going because I'm your biggest fan and I want to see you succeed. I want to see the students succeed and I want to see the academy succeed. So that type of evaluative culture in a loving Christ-centered way, I think can go far. Right, right. So that's all my questions for you about how you've used this process, the scary, scary process that maybe you know folks don't want to start on to use called strategic planning. Um, but I think that you just took it and made it your own and um, 
the transformation of your worship arts ministry from when I first started to what it is now is just, it's just absolutely amazing. It's been amazing. God's been good. And I think when the day comes that, you know, it's my final breath on the planet, um, when I look back on my life, I mean, this was total sincerity. When I look back on my life, there's going to be a handful of people in ministry and life that I'm super thankful for, and it would be you. Oh, thank you. 100%. Like, you have been a gift to me. You have helped me rough get the rough edges out of in my life. You've helped encourage me immensely. Uh, you show me the way when I didn't know the way, and organizationally, strategic planning-wise, like uh, with you moving, though you're not going to be in the same state, I'm still going to keep in touch with right. you. Right? Yeah, I'm super thankful for that. Well, it, yeah, well, you're you're the same in my heart, right? Just absolutely love you, and I've I've really loved sharing my passion for planning. Yeah. Uh, because I am not a music expert. Um, but that's we just kind of merged talents there for a yeah. while, I guess. And uh, we've really... Um, I've, I've loved to sit back and just see how things have grown. And it's just really been impressive. Amazing, really. What's your family call you? The planner? Are you, what, do you, what do they call you? The pl- what they call you the planner or something? Mr. Itinerary. Yeah, yeah Mr. Itinerary. right. <laughs> I didn't want to get that on the air, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, they call me Mr. Itinerary. But uh, to me, planning is as much fun as the execution. Oh, 100%. So I, I love that. But, um, but you really took it, and you just made it your own. And I think that's important for everybody to know that – you don't have to be a Fortune 500 company or right. 100 or uh, or even the, the top-level organization. You can be a supporting element and use this model just to help you organize and grow and plan. And Wow. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here and being the host. Yeah, it's uh, been my pleasure. Thank you uh, for listening to this podcast episode. We do hope you will continue to listen and share it with a friend, and especially this episode. If you have interest in what can strategic planning look like, shoot me an email, doxology at bbcyorktown.org, and we'd love to connect with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.